decided to follow in your footsteps this week, though, oh, James. Dear. I have a cup of black coffee before me. Indeed. It is bitter and unpleasant because we ran out of all the good coffee and I had to use the really dark roast stuff. Yeah. And I didn't want to water down the caffeine because there's not much in this. Mm-hmm. And, oh boy, it is cold and I need a fucking boost. And it is bitter like my ex. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's not that bad. She's a nice lady. I talk to her all the time. Well, yeah, wait. I'm sorry. Gotcha! No, I was like, dude, nice pull. (laughs) Wouldn't that be odd, though, if I just approached you? Like, so uh, she and I have been talking, and we think what's best for you. (laughs) You guys can both get right the fuck out of here. (laughs) The horse you rode in, and that one, too. No, I would actually, if, if if that actual thing had happened... I would sit down and listen just to hear what the fuck you would have to say. No, 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 James. We didn't strike up a romantic relationship. Just a, a real strong connection in our souls. We're, we're, we're beyond lovers now. We don't need physical contact. But her and I both agree that what you really need... I don't, I don't have an answer to that because I haven't conferred with her on this. But I'm sure, I'm sure you would both agree on a, a swift kick up the slats... Oh, no, I don't want any harm to come of you, unless it's psychological. Well, I mean, a metaphorical kick up to slants. Deep psychological harm. Ooh, that sounds like the best kind. Yep, and speaking of deep psychological harm, hey, everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit. Don't you fucking eh at me. We talk about horror movies, so you don't have to. My name is Chris Pfaff, and I'm one of your hosts. And I am James Marino, and I'm the other one of your hosts. And a piece of human garbage, my Indeed I I am. I, I did the mess signal while he was talking with that transition. Uh, this week, James, mm-hmm. we are talking about 1989's Santa Sangre. Holy blood, holy blood. Uh, written by Roberto Leone, Claudio Argento, and written and directed by Alejandro Jodorowsky. Mm-hmm. Starring Axel Jodorowsky. As Phoenix, Blanca Guerra as Cancha, and that's kind of almost the only cast, really, but I added his name because it's fun, and Sergio Bustamante as the Monsignor. Wait, go back. What was that, that other name? It was something Blanca? Blanca Guerra. Okay, that's White War. Really? Yeah. Oh, Blanca shit. is white, and Guero, or Guerra is like, it also means white, but it can also mean more. So, <laughs> to be fair, um, modern day Americans v Latin Americans, we don't stand a chance. And notice that the, if you think about it too, the, the, the bad guy, he was supposed to be American. You know, the guy in the cowboy hat with throwing knives? Yeah. Wow. And then. So, so James, yeah. before we get too ahead of ourselves. Sorry, I, got, I just didn't know that happened, and all of a sudden my brain went there. How did you like Santa Sangre? I am still puzzled. I don't like it. I don't hate it. I've experienced it, and I'm, I can't say that I dislike it, but I, I don't feel like it hit like some of the other more arty pieces that we've seen. And I don't know if that's me or maybe Jodorowsky was you know, losing his surrealism or something because I've seen art pieces before. In fact, I confuse this one with El Topo, and I've seen both of them many moons back. But I confuse this one with El Topo. So the imagery that was coming to my head was from El Topo, not this movie. So maybe that was part of my problem. But it, it, it didn't hit me the way a lot of surrealist movies would hit me. It, or, you know, like the oddball arty films would hit me. It just didn't strike me like that. It didn't strike me with, like, the overlying themes, etc. But I could have just missed them. So here's my take on Santa Sangre. Mm. This is an excellent film. This is abstract art uh, up there with David Lynch, okay. I would say. And I believe Jodorowsky was an influence on Lynch because Jodorowsky's been around well, for he was the fucking first, ever. He was originally supposed to do The Dune. Yeah. And then I'm Lynch sure took we'll, over. I'm sure we'll get into this, yes. But uh, The Dune, I, I'm old. I don't like this movie. Hmm. I feel like this movie is unnecessarily cruel. 
But that's part of the surrealism I, movement. No, I, I understand, but I think it's unnecessarily cruel, not only to the characters, but the audience. And we'll get into examples of why. Okay. Again, I think this is an excellent film. Yeah. For what it is is and what it is trying to do, I think it exceeds on every level. Wait, what was I, it trying to do? I don't like it. Okay. I, you, you, said, you said something that intrigued me here, though. I have no idea what this movie was trying to do. So you seem to have a handle on it, and I'd like to hear it, because maybe that will put it into some kind of Well, I mean, from what I understand, I think this might be the only Jodorowsky movie that I've actually sat and watched, Mm. because, again, kind of like Lynch, abstract art doesn't really tickle me in that way. I like David Lynch more Mm -hmm. than this, this being my only reference point. But my from my understanding of this, it is effectively a lot of Jodorowsky's work revolves around trauma. Mm-hmm. And this is the trauma of a young man and a subversive religion aspect to it as well, where all of the traumas from his past come back to comfort him, but ultimately lead to his demise. Mm-hmm. I get it. But, like I said, I find this to be unnecessarily cruel. And not just to the characters, because I understand that this is supposed to be a fucked up world. At no point did I need to watch a swarthy man give a group of young men with Down syndrome cocaine and lead them on, like, a Guys and Dolls-esque musical number to go give them to an overweight prostitute. Now, I have, that is being cruel to your yeah. audience for effectively no reason that I can pinpoint. And not only that, but here's a grape. It's a strange grape. I've been to Mexico City. And at no time did I ever see the pimps and hookers dancing and singing in the alleyway. Ever. See, now, when I'm saying like that I also, like, I like Lynch better. I, I guess he's more accessible to us because he speaks in our language visually well, and verbally. Say, not only that, but I don't know how much David Lynch you've watched, but I know like Blue Velvet does this, yeah. Twin Peaks does this, where it leads you into a sense of everything is kind of calm and peaceful and it builds the dread. Mm-hmm. Until it's an absolute nightmare because it's it's David Lynch and he's a fucking weirdo. Well, to this day, there's there's two parts that I remember from that movie. I, if I had really sat and thought about it, it struck me so hard is the ants crawling on the ground and the idyllic place crawling into the ear. That was a mind fuck. And then then when Dennis Hopper was being Dennis Hopper. Yes. Yeah. I remember those two things from that movie. But now I think about it, the cruelty was part of it. But it wasn't cruelty for cruelty's sake. It was cruelty to further the plot. Whereas a lot of the stuff here, it, it, it was just like, we've, we've talked about it in other films. I've got a bunch of set pieces that we will string together. And we will make them into a cohesive set. Well, it didn't need, half of that didn't even need to be there. If we're talking about his internal struggle, you could have done it with fewer set pieces and have it make more sense, I guess. See, and I understand that that could... That accusation could be made toward any abstract art. Oh, shit, it's a surreal film. Never mind. Just in general? Yeah. But where it's not giving us any of the, like, idyllic things to bounce off of this, every Mm -hmm. single sequence contains something that is just cruel and awful, either to a character or to make your audience watch. And that is something that I absolutely do not appreciate. Because, because actually, this, yeah. Sorry, this is one of the reasons that I don't like this. It's beautiful. It's gorgeously shot. It's got uh, like Lynch-esque acting mm-hmm. in it to where you can tell immediately just by the way that people are speaking and the way that things are happening. This isn't Earth as we know it. Right. This is an alternate universe. It's its own thing. Yeah. But every single sequence in every part of this movie is a world that I don't want to be in. Mm -hmm. At no point does it lull me in to wanting to be part of the film and give me somebody to, I guess, root for or a a mystery to solve. Right. Because the closest thing we have to a likable character is the mute girl. We're never shown and it's never proven whether that person exists or not. Always quiet, always there, never affecting the story, even in the end. 
standing there with their arms outspread. Nothing happened to them because maybe nothing could happen to them because they didn't exist. There was only one semi-likable person, and it wasn't through backstory or anything. It's just they didn't do anything egregious in the movie. That's the only likable thing that there is, and we don't know if they exist or not, which makes it a difficult movie to watch because naturally... I want to find the character that I identify with so I can watch the movie from their point of view so that I have a point of view, you know, from the movie. Had no point of view in this movie. Didn't know whose eyes I was seeing the movie through. I didn't know who to attribute the camera to. Or, you know, usually I can say, okay, this is just the camera happens to be there catching. Okay, I get that. That's this movie. This is seen kind of through the eyes of this person or this is seen from this point of view. There was no real point of view to attribute and I was confused. Yeah, and like you said, one of the things that I really do like about this movie, though, I will say flat out when I say that I think it is an excellently made film, it is, there's very kind of little dialogue in this two-hour film. Very little. It is told through just various postcards of scenes mm -hmm. which fit together, which leads you to be able to interpret your own narrative as you see fit. And I think it is just absolutely ex excellently done. And it does create, it's excellent at creating this world that is off, where everything in it is the worst thing that you could see, mm -hmm. where every single thing is just an absolute bummer. Yes. But I don't like that. And I'm not saying that I don't like depressing films. It's this film takes glee in all the depressing shit that it's showing. Because at the beginning of the film, we... It's unrelenting. In, in the course of 30 seconds, we watch a woman come and then an elephant die. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what, like you said, what tone you're trying to set here. Mm -hmm. Where everything is put to very festive music. Because a lot of this film is soundtrack. Oh, and... <laughs> there is constantly music happened. I loved the soundtrack. I loved every single note in this soundtrack because it sounded like half the kitchens I grew up in or worked in and in the settings and the people and everything. I, I, anytime you shoot in Mexico, I feel like I'm there. Yeah, like I said, but the very little dialogue, mm -hmm. and I guess, like I said, that does leave it open to a lot of interpretation because there's no clear narrative nailed down. But like you said, at least when Lynch makes something, there's kind of a point yeah. that you can arrive at. at. In this, like you said, it's so open that I, I'm grasping for straws and trying to put together what he is trying to say about anything. Right. I'm looking for, because I got to the point in this movie where I'm like, there's a lot going on, but there's not a lot going on. What are the themes? Because I don't usually think of themes during the movie, but in order for me to continue to watch this movie, I had to, like I said, build things for me. I had to find a reason to continue to watch this movie. And I found it very hard to place themes on this movie. And especially because of all the diverging paths that it takes, where all of a sudden he's acting like the invisible man. Yes. And it seems very serious, and not like it was just like a goof that he and his uh, little person... Well, this is kind of giving me near-dark vibes, or what after-dark vibes. Remember watching the movies, acting out the movies in front of it? Oh, uh, 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 Fade to Black. Fade to Black. It was feeling real Fade to Blacky at that moment, because he was still skinny, and he was dressed up, and he was doing the thing. And I saw a bunch, you know what I liked about it? He's not above putting little shout outs into his movie even then. And I really appreciated that. I saw bits of Todd Browning in there. I saw some, you know, Buñuel. I saw, I don't know how to say his name, but you know, just like um, Grand Guinal, I've seen a lot of different themes that I enjoy seeing separately, you know, in and of themselves. And he threw a lot of them in there and it was interesting, but it was kind of pointlessly interesting. And like I said, I feel kind of the same way about this as I do about like Lars von Trier in general, but mm -hmm. especially the house that Jack built where, okay, you're giving me this series of cruelties. Yes. But I think at even the house that Jack built arrived at more of a point, mm -hmm. even though I found it pretty nonsensical and very irritating. But at no, like you said, at no point does this relent and give me a minute to breathe and take in kind of what is happening. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden, 
for no reason, he's at a medicine stand to get more chemicals because he's a chemist now. Yeah. And a 40-year-old woman who looks like, she, or dressed up to look like she's 19, yeah. asks him out on a date. Yeah, I, I we're, we're like, the age roles are reversed. Yeah. For us. And it, I, again, I get if you're trying to do it just because it's artsy. Mm-hmm. Sure. But what is your intentions behind it? And from everything that I've kind of read about Yodorowsky throughout the years, a lot of it is to be inflammatory. Yeah. And that irritates He's me. He's kind of edgelordy. Yes. That bothers me. Uh-huh. That's the Rob Zombie problem. Right. But, <clears throat> again, aesthetically, <laughs> Rob Zombie ain't a patch on Jodorowsky's ass. No. You know what I mean? But still, they still suffer from the same thing. You know, they're too full of themselves. They think that their images are going to pull everything in it. So they don't put as much in the other stuff. And it, you feel it. Anytime some, one of our three main legs drops out of there, you can actually feel it in the movie. Yes. If the visuals aren't there, but the acting and, you know, the, the, you know, the, the writing's there, you're going to feel it. You can probably do it. But if the writing's just not there, I don't care how pretty it is, unless it's a completely silent film and is intended to be silent, you got to have some decent writing or no matter how pretty you make it, it's just going to fall flat. Exactly, and especially when you're trying to do something as wild with very little narrative like this, because should we even try? And I don't know if I can even explain what happens in this film, because like you said, every single it's unrelenting. Every sequence is a new set of like, oh fuck, what do I have to watch now? Okay, if I were to describe it as we were watching it without any knowledge before, I would say this was a tale of a a, a circus kid. Whose parents, you know, one of his parents is killed by the other one of his parents. The father cuts them, or the father cuts the mother's arms off and then cuts his own throat in a square. Yes. Right in front of his, cir- his circus that he owns. Yep. In front of the deaf mute girl. Right. And in front of the deaf mute girl and in front of all the circus people. Because and he was trying to fuck the tattooed woman. And why wouldn't you? Who also has possession of the deaf mute girl and is trying to make her walk a tightrope that is currently on, on fire, fire. Mm-hmm. and telling her, if you don't do this, I will beat you. <laughs> so, fast forward, um, basically, the mom survives. He is actually acting out on stage for the arms. The stage show is her with no arms and him being the arms and feeding her and doing whatnot. Kind of cool looking. Yeah. But when we think about at the very end, what that had to look like if it was a real show. And they did show that, too. Uh, weird as fuck. Yeah. And Again, I love it's that. It's good imagery. Yeah. It's but, excellently made. But cut to every time he's trying to get it on, much like the, uh, <laughs> much like the uh, Friday the 13th, d- whoever's trying to get on with dies. Then yep. we find out, you think at the hands of the mom, turns out, no mom. Norman Bates. Yeah. Boom. Pretty much. <laughs> Close Kurt. Yeah, it is just kind of an elaborate psycho yep. that's nowhere near as good. <laughs> no. And, but... but the, the, here's the thing that I actually do kind of like, though. It, it, it has to do with the ending, because we find out that his mother's not real, and he is crying and kind of breaking down when the clowns come in. So... Here's my interpretation, is that when you are... Obviously, he was raised in this circus. Knew literally nothing else. Did mm-hmm. not go to school. This is what he Got did. Got a bitchin' tattoo when he was a kid, though. Yeah, sure did. So, this is effectively his cult, his religion. Mm-hmm. Right? So, when you leave and everything falls to shit, what comforts you? The thoughts of your childhood, because that trauma now feels comfortable. Hmm. Okay. O- okay. Okay. And when he realizes the things that he's done, that none of that is really there to comfort him anymore, Mm -hmm. but it's all gone from him now, and he feels like he has been freed from the shackles of the past, Okay, even if it means being imprisoned for the rest of his life for all of these murders. See, because I saw more of a um, limbo. Or what? What do the what do Catholics call it? Where you're not purgatory. Yeah, I thought it was purgatory because he's reliving all his past sins. And reliving, and re- you know what I mean? 
And then when he's finally free of purgatory, he stops murdering. They're his hands now, not his mother's. And that's, I got the purgatory thing out of it. And that's about the best I could do for a theme. Yeah, because, I mean, as far as calling it Santa Sangre, I was expecting a lot more of that religion that his mother was running to play a part in this. And it sure didn't, James. It sure didn't. It fizzled out real quick. Not one single bit, except for a couple, you know, cool images. And, you know, every time I see somebody with clasped hands now, I'm just going to yell, holy blood, holy blood. <laughs> oh. oh, man. And speaking of just every, almost every single character being absolutely unlikable, it, we're immediately introduced to, was it Orgo, his dad? Oh, God, yeah. Just this fat, slovenly, drunk-as-fuck circus ringmaster who immediately <coughs> wasted, starts throwing knives at a woman. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, man. Just knowing the little bit I do about Yodorowsky, like, this is gonna... Okay, well, it didn't end badly. Maybe this will all be... Oh, wait, no, he's a total fucking psycho. Oh, absolutely. God damn it. And the other thing, too, is they had to have had real circus clowns on there because every time you watch them, if you ever watch them emote, because, like, I get fascinated with background details sometimes because I'm bored as fuck, and I'm watching everybody act around them. You know who owned that fucking scene? If you looked at that look of concern on those clowns' faces, because they're used to playing, you know, there's no microphones, nothing. They're playing to everybody. So the emotions that shown on their face were by far the best acting in the fucking movie. And I was, anytime those, anytime any of the circus performers around there, the old Todd Browning crew, whatever, I was absolutely riveted to that fucking screen because the emotion that they showed every time, if you ever go back and see this for any reason, just watch those clowns. And you're going to see the whole movie right there written on their faces. It's amazing. Uh, so, Phoenix. Yeah. One of the more, uh, not unlikable main characters, but just kind of a blank slate. Yeah. Like, he needed something to make us care about this journey. Right, because at no time, and I've complained about this before, there was nothing to him. He was basically a skin suit. Okay? So if there's no personification, that's why it fell flat. Maybe he was taking direction. I don't know. But it, I think he was one of the director's sons, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. The pimp and that guy were his sons. And, uh, yeah, uh, older and younger Phoenix. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm hoping that they were taking direction because if, if they weren't, they were just bad actors. Yeah, that that sounds about right. <laughs> because it, in order, I cared I, I cared about nobody, and if it was just thematic, that's fine. But it wasn't strong enough theme for me to care about the story more than the characters. It didn't transcend. So if there's no personification to the person that we see on screen almost the entire fucking movie, <clears throat> I'm looking at beige. Why is that thing there? If there's nothing, if I don't feel for whoever is personifying this character, and it doesn't draw me in, then the character is useless. Well, because he's effectively reverted back to being feral. Like he has a giant climbing tree in his room. Yes, but he didn't seem feral. He seemed acrobatic. Right. He didn't. He didn't. Except for when he grabs a raw fish and just starts mowing it down. Yeah, but that was even artistic. Like, I was expecting him to just sloppy, just all over. No, it was, it was still sloppy, but it was studied sloppy. He, he didn't bring anything to the table to make me, oh, shit. Oh, fuck, that guy's out of his fucking mind. You know, at no time, I just thought, because mm, he still felt, like, timid. Right. And I'm like, eh, no, not working for me. And one thing that I super duper do not appreciate is being led to believe that I may be watching a teenage girl be raped by a gigantic man. Yes. That really bothers me, James. Yes. And I don't think that that is subversive. I don't like, there's a line. Mm -hmm. That is it. That is absolutely it. We've, we've had this discussion a million times. That was pointless. Exactly. There was no retribution directly from the victim. There was no nothing. There was n- n- no, you know, there was no 
allusion to that this could have been a problem before, but it was thwarted, and then this finally happened. There was none of that. It was just, hey, oh, we got to throw in a rape. Okay, do it. Yep. We won't show it why. We're going to stop it, but we're going to imply the fuck out of it. Uh-huh. And no, for no reason. Which leads me to another thing about Yodorowsky personally, was him telling the story on the set of El Topo about how there is a rape scene in that as well. And telling a story about how he really raped that woman on camera. Fuck. But he later took it back saying it was the 70s. One of the only ways to sell a movie out of Mexico was to cause such outrage that word got out about it. How would I rape a woman with a crew there on film and not go to prison? Which I... Mm, I I can tell you a thousand ways that that happens. I, I do believe him. I do believe that he said that just to build shock because, again, I don't believe that in front of an entire film crew, even in the 70s, that you could rape a woman and get away with it. Not even in Mexico. But the simple fact that you would say something like that just to stir up controversy makes me dislike you immediately. Mm -hmm. Because, look, I'm, I'm I'm all for... If you can shock somebody into, you know, Madonna made a whole fucking career of it, okay? That's fine. But when it's that egregious, mm No. Absolutely fucking not. Absolutely not. And, yeah, I just, I, because, like, I don't know anything about him except that he was a puppeteer, and I'm fascinated with puppets, and I will tell you what, when they, um, when they had the puppets singing, remember at the end of the movie, and the eyebrow work and the eye work from the intricate puppet? Uh-huh. Dude, I rewound that about 50 times just to watch, <laughs> watch the puppet movement because it was fucking sublime. It was abs, the eyes, the way the light hit it. I had to make sure that those weren't people eyes in there. It was so good. The puppetry was amazing, and I am fascinated like a motherfucker with puppets. So, uh, Did you get anything from him painting the bodies white? The, oh, you know why? That's lime. It's quick lime. You do that so the bodies don't stink and they de- decompose quicker. Okay. It'll rot them down. Um, you, if you've ever seen like war movies where they're pitching the white powder into the trench, that's quicklime. You can it comes in either liquid or powder. See, I didn't know that it came in. I I knew I thought lye was just a uh, powdered substance, but oh no, you can get you can get it in a liquid <clears throat> form too. All right. So then, all of the bodies coming back at the end to. Uh, uh, not assault him, but just, you know, why did you kill, kill me? me? Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. Mm-mm. Although we did get to see a lot of, a lot of nudity. Yeah, that's fair. We got like full frontal, which would have been a big deal for me in, you know, 1982. Not so much in 89. I from, had access to porn. From Ruby the Virgin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude. Ugh. No, again, what do you mean, ugh? Again, it's it's making everything as awful as possible. She looked like half the Rukas I went to school with. But her introduction is her shooting heroin backstage. Yeah, that was a little, hey, guess what? Again, it's that throwing in something just to be offensive. And it was so bad. That I don't like. Did you see the works they were using? Oh, yeah. I'm sitting there going, you're not shooting. That's- old, old Civil War rigs. And I'm like, no way. You no know way you're doing that right there in the hallway under that light. You didn't even cook. Where the fuck did you? I, yeah, because, you know, there's that, that's the whole reason I'm sitting here watching this movie. But I'm sitting there, oh, that is so cartoony. And then the whole guys and dolls. The minute you walked in the joint, I'm like, no, just no. Yeah, that scene absolutely took me by storm. I I didn't know what... That was the first time I'm like, okay, I'm following this. It's weird. It's fucked up. Oh, he hacked that woman's arms off. All right. Cool. This is good, surreal. Mm-hmm. Kind of fucked up. I'm kind of not liking it, but it's good, surreal art. I understand. Wait a minute. Did that man just steal a gaggle of children with... Or not even children. Young men with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And Phoenix. And Phoenix. Because the only way you can be mentally ill is to have Down syndrome. Yeah, I don't know. The depiction of mental illness in this fucking movie can go, can go eat an entire bowl of genitals it doesn't like. Yes, because the way that he's introduced to them is that he needs to get out and socialize. Mm-hmm. So he's just shoved into this group of young men with Down syndrome. Oh, here, have some fruit and play the organ grinder like the monkeys. 
Yeah, it's it, again, I feel like it is offensive just to be offensive, and oh, that bothers that me. That steps on all kinds of dicks right there, buddy. Oof. I, mm, I got issues with that, too. But then to have a man, to even depict on film, I understand that it's not real cocaine, but doing that to young men with Down syndrome, fuck you. And then taking them to, the, taking them to hookers. Yeah, I mean, just the act of getting... Actual young men with Down syndrome, because these are not, you know, Mm -hmm. people pretending. And just putting something up to their nose, even as, uh, ha, 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 we're giving them cocaine in this movie. That's egregious. Fuck you. Conversely, you know, they're of age and they made a choice too. You know, um, Down syndrome, there's different, there's differently abled with the Down. So they, you know, depending, but that's a whole different, that's a whole different road we can go down. Yeah. No. I, I get what you're saying now. I absolutely that, get what you're saying. That as far as depicting them doing drugs, there is no way that I believe that they could give actual like cognizant consent as to what they were doing. That seems really fucked up to me and I don't appreciate it. I get you. I get you. It just, it really bothers me. No, and absolutely, I get you. But that's a whole different conversation. But as far as that goes, so the depiction had no point for this movie except to get them out. And they could very well have maintained that them being out of the asylum or whatever you want to call it that they were in by just going to the goddamn church or whatever they were supposed to originally go to. Being dropped off at the movies by their caretaker slash director clearly saying like, Oh, I need to leave with my grandmother. Yeah. We've got to go to synagogue. So, Hey, you know, Jews suck. Eh, Yeah. Fuck. Fuck you. So he's just going to drop them off at this movie theater and wander away. Yeah. Leave him, leave him with Hector to pimp. It's all good. It's again. I enjoy the filmmaking. He is a man who knows how to make a film. I really love the soap opera esque acting choices in some parts of this anyway oh dude especially the uh the tattooed woman's murder hell yeah to where it's all to like mariachi or at least up-tempo latin music oh hell and yeah done in one of the like it's really well done but it looks cheesy it again it's kind of like blue velvety yeah to where you go like man this is weird and silly but it's so goddamn good he's doing it perfectly mm-hmm. it, it's like it's like dream cheesy. It's like that's how the cutting would look in your dreams, not in real life. Because yeah. sometimes I'm freaked out by by things that look real or sound real. But I can be equally as freaked out by stylized violence. I, I talk against it or I use it I use it as a counterpoint a lot. But I love stylized violence. You know, I grew up watching Shaw Brothers. I grew up you know, fucking love the choreography, all the the beautiful violence in those films. Yeah, where it does, if since he was associated with this, I mean Claudio anyway, but mm-hmm. it does feel very Argento. It does, where the blood is almost like bright pink in some places, mm-hmm. because, and it spurts because that's what you need to make the shot look interesting. Mm-hmm. We don't need realistic blood. Oh hell no, we don't need this to be absolute gory realistic violence that would kind of fuck up the tone because everything is dreamlike exactly and it's so goddamn good that it bothers me that there are so many of these things that are just offensive for offensive sake and Mm -hmm. you can tell yeah you can fucking tell now if if you're going to be transgressive with a point are you gonna if you can show me a reason for the transgression we've talked about this a lot then it's interesting because it has a point but if you're showing me transgression, just I, I might as well just watch Faces of Death. What the fuck? Exactly. Like I really like Spoonful of Sugar for that reason. A young girl who does have mental problems also taking LSD. Like yes. <laughs> oh god! It, it All gets, of the LSD. It gets wild and it gets grisly. As meh as that movie is, mm-hmm. the progression in it is perfect. Mm-hmm. And again, there is a reason for the transgressions. Exactly. And due to the psychedelic nature of what she's taking on top of the mental illness, it adds to it because is it as transgressive as it seems or is she just fucking tripping balls? It allows that for you so you have an with, out to watch it. With the background of she is stealing it from her doctor, but her doctor who's giving it to her 
Yes. Just freely as well. Mm-hmm. So again, there is a point to the transgression there. Yes. Whereas this feels like, hey, want to just watch a woman's arms get cut off? Because mm-hmm. that was the God that she followed. Right. Well, that's We're what never going to come back to this, really. But, but that's why I mentioned Bunuel. That's the, the famous scene of the eyeball slice. That was transgressive as fuck. Uh-huh. For the point of being transgressive as fuck. And this movie does a lot of that. And, you know, again, we talk about gratuitous. If they would have had a, a lighter hand on it and relented a few, give us a couple breathers, like, you know, if they, okay, you know how that weird musical number, if they would have balanced it with maybe one or two more to give you those breathing spots between the violence. Yeah, this is a, a, a theme that we're doing. This is a thing that happens in this world, but mm-hmm. it happens exactly once. Yes. I mean, granted, the rest of the movie is just soundtracked to hell. Right, but, but if we're going to lighten it with this kind of imagery and this kind of sound... But it, like you said, it is lit like a dance number. Yeah. That's the difference. And it, it's shot like it's on a soundstage. Exactly. And it looks great. I loved it. It's, I watched that one scene it's, 10 times. It's absolutely gorgeous. Does it make me mad? Sure does. Well, it kind of reminded me of the scene in Something Wicked This Way Comes when they were doing the, um, the march. Uh-huh. Because you can see the different, different, you know, if you really look at the, the people acting, you can see the different, what they're supposed to be, and they're showing that. But they're showing it Broadway style. Exactly. As opposed to a day in the life, okay, now maybe there's some music and maybe there's a couple people dancing. But it was festive. Exactly. And like I said, it's so upbeat and weird Mm -hmm. while being also just horrendous. Yeah. That it really is a great art piece. Right. But the pieces of that art are things that really do bother me and enough to make me go, I don't want to be in this world for two hours. Right. And this movie was long. I didn't realize how long it was because it was so goddamn pretty and it was compelling as fuck. Yeah. I'll never watch it again because it makes second time I've watched it. And I didn't realize how much I didn't pay attention to it the first time. Because I would have remembered a lot more of this movie. I remembered Holy Blood. I remembered the puddle. I remembered the arms coming off. And I remember the knife throwing. I didn't remember anything else of this whole movie. Except the dance with the arms. Because I was thinking um, Crying Game when I saw that. Right. With the arms. I'm like, fuck, Crying Game. Okay. Right. And And there's that huge, like parade sequence for the elephant funeral yep. where they just dump this fucking elephant <laughs> off the side of a cliff it's just into the trash bin. and then and then everybody scavenges the parts yeah and and the point where he's hallucinating in a dream that he's the elephant dying <laughs> they, they cut to the elephant with the blood coming out of his trunk uh-huh. and then he's laying on the ground butt-ass naked by his climbing tree <laughs> yep. bleeding from the nose I was like, no, yeah, no. Like, okay, I get it, but what connection are you making other than we yeah. showed you this image? What, what does the elephant represent that he is now re-representing? Because you didn't make it fucking clear to me, Haas. Yeah. And Upon second viewing and re-watching and rewinding, you never made it clear to me. And watching a man tattoo his like eight-year-old son's chest with a knife. Oh, yeah. Again, like... You know, like you do. Man, this is insane imagery. I I don't find that as egregious because I understand it's the father implementing his own beliefs on his son. Mm -hmm. Be a man, all the machismo that comes along with South American culture. Right, but had he had an ounce of machismo, he didn't have any. No, he was a coward. Right, but had, had, for example, they portrayed him as a coward once he gets the phoenix, which he was named after, tattooed on his chest... That should have given him a certain amount of edge. Now, if he had even the slightest bit of edge to him, he would have been more, I would have felt, I would have felt more pathos toward him. And when he did his heel turns and became this bad guy, it would have been more like, oh, shit, you know? But because he was such a non-entity, and I think this is where they lost it. Because there's no inciting incident for him to snap. Right. It just happens. Yeah. Because that's where the film wanted to go. Mm-hmm. There's no natural progression. And again, that sounds stupid when we're talking about a surreal film. And even... But the, even, like, Twin Peaks follows a narrative. Blue Velvet follows a progression. Okay. It doesn't just happen because the screenwriter wants it to. It happens for a reason that later pays off. Right. Well, we've talked about before. 
South American storytelling is very nonlinear, okay? But even if you're telling a nonlinear story, there's a rhythm, there's a progression, and everything else in this movie, there was a visual rhythm. There was a timing, there was an ebb and flow in this movie, right? But there was never a proper rhythm, and it, it just through the movie because again there was no balance to this if they're injecting themes with no balancing themes they're injecting ideas with no resolve which is fine in and of itself but if you do too many of them it's useless and no mystery i guess to it there's nothing to draw me in and go man why is he doing this oh because his dead mother's telling him to mm-hmm. constantly over and over and over and now he's just killing more and killing more and killing more and all right where are we going mm-hmm. cut one of these yeah do something cut your darlings but again you you talked about it it's like laws van trier this house yeah yeah we get too much uh Jodorowsky and not enough of the movie yeah and it's things like that that i believe prevented him from making dune <laughs> Mm-hmm. And also when uh, visited by Frank Herbert, they had a $9 million budget and he had spent $2 million of it in pre-production. Yeah. Offering, uh, was it Salvador Dali, $100,000 an hour? Yeah. Because, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that's not how you do that. No. But, you know, that that's the problem with what we, we talked about auteurs, right? I don't know if I'm even pronouncing that right, but... You know, they get so fucking full of themselves and they don't hear no at, at a certain point, no matter, no matter how up your own ass you get. If you, stop, if you stop taking outside ideas, if you stop, you just stagnate. You just stagnate. And, and I don't think there's any real growth. You know, and, and it's sad because we miss out on great movies that could have been. Because they were so far up their own ass, they wouldn't listen to anybody. And that's kind of why, like, Spielberg might be the greatest director of all time. Because nobody has ever been like, man, he's a real pain in the ass to work with. Right. I'm sure people have had disagreements with him. Mm -hmm. But at no point do I remember, like, anybody having anything bad to say about, like, hey, uh, we don't maybe think that this might not be working. And it was never, fuck you, I'm leaving this horrendous thing in my movie. And how many times... Now that I'm reading about directors, because I'm doing this, how many times you hear, oh, that fucking guy, or this fucking guy screaming? I can't think of one real negative except for some divorce shit. Right. <laughs> you know, which, that's its own thing. But for the most part, anybody that ever worked with them, ah, Steve, he's all right. Yeah. Yeah. And you can look at all the auteurs out there like Kubrick. Mm-hmm. Kubrick's a real piece of shit. Oh, God, yeah. I, I think a much better just natural director than Yodorowsky mm-hmm. or Lynch for that matter, possibly the best of all time, if we're being honest. Mm. Uh, but still like that doesn't mean you get to just do whatever you want. You need somebody to tell, you no every once oh, in a while. Fucking lootly, man. And a lot of people needed to step in. And I believe that that's the reason that we don't have many Yodorowsky movies that are really of note. Yeah. Because it's El Topo, Holy Mountain, and maybe this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes this. Well, I know, um, like, on the cult circuit, this fucking movie, huge. It's like a cult cult movie, you know? Yeah. It's like Mono's Hands of Fate. But, and I can kind of get why. I just, I, I couldn't imagine watching this, even ironically, more than once. No. I, it, I, I, I can't. There's too much in it that just makes me, as a human being angry mm-hmm. and like i said when you are taking advantage of people with mental illnesses or making me think that a young girl is about to be raped mm-hmm. by what looks like a giant mm-hmm. they found a humongous man for that you know who that looked like robert zadar no it looked like kali the giant wrestler from fucking yeah, yes it, yes it sure it, did it might have been that's <laughs> very possible i did because he had look the same face it. But that could have just been from the gigantism, but it really did look like him. Because, I mean, I, as, as 80, much as I don't want to set the scene, I believe it's three American servicemen who are, or it's at least three servicemen of some mm-hmm. nationality who find the tattooed woman. Mm-hmm. And we think we're going, because we were introduced to her, we think they're just going there to bang her because she's hooking. Yeah. 
which is fine. Just sell out of her pants. It's, you know, you do what you do. And then all of us, we think that she's going to be leading this giant man into the other room because they've clearly just paid her for sex. Mm-hmm. And she just flat out tells him, yeah, she's deaf and mute. You can do whatever you want to her. Mm-hmm. And shuts the door and he picks her up and like cradles her like a baby. Yeah, which is creepy as fuck too. Yeah, like dude, stop. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to see any more of this. And I understand that in cinema like this, it, well, it, you're supposed to be offended. You're supposed to be, have these visceral reactions. Not when it makes me just angry at you. And again, that's cheap. If you can, okay, if the point of art is to engender emotion, you can engender emotion real cheaply. Okay. Is it art? No. I just made you feel something. You know what I mean? It's it's just shock for shock's sake, which is not, to me... Valid. It yeah. doesn't feel valid. It doesn't feel earned. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. Now, it's, if... Well, I, guess, I think it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. I think it's fucking gross that you wanted to put that in your movie. But if there's a, it's a hard-run theme through it, and you're showing me this to hammer something home, well, fuck you for doing it, but I see your point. Yes. You know what I mean? Like we, like we have always said with the very one instance of Calvair, I do not mind really if you are using rape as a topic, Mm -hmm. but when you are using it as a visual, you can get all the way fucked. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It really bothers me. And I don't think it makes you edgy or an artist. Mm -hmm. I think it makes you an asshole. Absolutely. And again, people are allowed to choose the art that they watch and ingest and feel however you want about it. Those are my feelings. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> so long story short, James, since it's uh, getting cold and I have nothing else to say about this. Yes. Do you? No, I watch it or don't. I, I could do without it. I say, but would you recommend it to anyone? Because I would not. Mm-mm. I don't think it's shocking enough. I don't want to say shocking enough. That's the wrong no. uh, words to say. It's, sh- it's not shocking in the right way. Exactly. Where and I've used this as an instance before. A movie like Possum. Mm-hmm. Possum will fuck you up. Oh, God, yeah. Possum will fuck you up good. Fuck you and all it's far the way up. scarier than this. Mm-hmm. And it's more shocking mm-hmm. easily. Without giving us all of these feelings of making me very, very angry because you showed me something that I find morally disturbing. Mm -hmm. And again, we've seen things in movies that are morally disturbing, but there was a point to it and a reason for it. Apples and orange. (laughs) Yeah, it it reminds me a lot of the, like, I'll use Sid Vicious as a very clear example. The Sid Vicious and the swastika Mm -hmm. t-shirt. I'm doing this to be subversive. Fuck you. No, fuck you, buddy. Yeah, that's a whole lot of shit you got on your fucking shirt there, man. My dude. Yeah. And it's shit like that that really bothers me. And Mm -hmm. again, I know the word is, well, it's edgelord shit. Mm -hmm. Knock it off. Yeah. We got enough of them. We don't need you. No. And especially doing it as cheaply as this. Fuck mm-hmm. you. Especially when you should know better. Because he was not a young man. I, we should say this came out in 89. I was looking into Yodorowsky, born the, in 1923. Yeah, and fucking... the what is, 1929, something like that. 1929. So El Topo was 70, wasn't it? Uh, I think like 74. Okay. Well, like official release, but I'm sure it was floating around and mm-hmm. before it got... Like, whatever it's uh, official, yeah. like IMDb. Yeah, be- be- before it got its uh, special clam box shell edition. Yeah, but long story short, I don't want to see this movie ever again, really. And I don't think you need to. And I I think this has immediately turned me off. Watching those Rob Zombie movies mm-hmm. immediately turned me off to, if I see a filmmaker doing that, being not even subver- subversive for subversive sake, mm-hmm. But just look at this offensive thing. Now, fuck you. Absolutely. I don't want to just look at this offensive thing. And again, you know what I like about doing this this whole podcast thing is I'm actually developing a lane in horror movies. Like, if, if it was sick, I would actually look for something and find something that hits my lane, which is absolutely foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, don't watch this thing. Or, or do I can give a fuck? But yeah, I, didn't I don't, like I don't it. give a shit what you do. You're an adult, presumably. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, 
I don't, I didn't care for it. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I've gotten to the point where I don't think I'm going to watch anything else from Yodorowsky. Just having heard a few of the things, not only about him, but about uh, El Topo that... You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. You know, they said they said that sometimes he's known more for his being a cartoonist than he is for being a cinematographer. Yeah, I, I can see that. Again, if you're into just filmmaking and if you like David Lynch but wish he would take it further in a edge lord direction, then absolutely watch it mm-hmm. because it's got all the weird like daytime melodrama y parts. And if you love it, everything that Rob Zombie did, then you can see Papa Rob. <laughs> yep, go ahead and pop a Rob. Mm. <laughs> James, where can people find they, us? <laughs> I'm putting an end to this right now. They can find us at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on on Facebook. We have a little page. Um, we're on all of the uh, podcatchers, so you can give us some stars or five words, so get us on the algorithms. And I know none of you can see this, but... Every single week when James does the plug, he holds his cigarette about uh, above his head like he is sinking. I am. I'm sinking to the web so that I can say this without fucking up. I also look up and to the left. You look like you're drowning. Isn't it great? Try to keep your one last cigarette that you can hit before you dunk your head under those icy cold Anyway, I'm going to keep talking. Ah. So, uh, that was a visual. That was great. Yeah, a so, fucking podcast. So yeah, that was a that was a podcast that we did. Push the button. Should I? Yeah, you should push the fucking button. It's I don't know why you're shit. pressuring me so much. Because it's I, goddamn cold. Well, in here. I'm sorry that I wanted to hang out with you. I thought we were friends, but you know what? Fine, I will push the button. Push the fucking and button. And people don't have to be part of our fun conversations <laughs> that we have here. Push the fucking you fucking button. piece of garbage. You would be terrified. Shit.